The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 247. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a Time Lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart, Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding! Position universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Panelsy! I am Scottish. I can complain about things. She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the first Doctor story, The Crusade. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Howdy, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. I started saying howdy. I'm not sure... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't. I don't mean to steal that from you, Jimmy. It's You're just, allowed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a. I don't have a trademark on it. I know. I just. I don't want to like steal your 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 thing. But uh, no, it's, it's not it's, my thing. It's <laughs> millions of people's thing. This is true. This is true. Folks, uh, follow the secrets of Doctor Who in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, everywhere you get podcasts, even in your favorite podcast app or at the SQPN YouTube channel where you should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. I do want to tell you to stick around to the end of the episode because we have some listener feedback we want to share and respond to. And I want to tell you about another show that you will most likely, definitely, very surely enjoy here on the StarQuest Network called Secrets of Star Trek, where Jimmy and Father Corey and I talk about all things Star Trek, whether it's old series like the original series or the new series and things that are still to come like Strange New Worlds, which I'm very excited about, definitely check it out. It's at Secrets of Star Trek, sqpn.com slash Star Trek, or wherever you find podcasts. But today we're talking about The Crusade, this Doctor Who story from 1965. Jimmy, can you give us a recap of what happens in Crusade? Yeah, it's the year AD 1191, and the TARDIS crew blunders into the Third Crusade, which is being fought between Richard the Lionhearted and the Saracen leader Saladin. As soon as they arrive, Barbara gets kidnapped by the Saracens, and the main plot for the TARDIS crew is how to get her back. While they're trying to do that, Barbara periodically escapes and finds allies to help her, only to get recaptured or put in danger again. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, King Richard is war-weary and desperate to make peace. He proposes to marry his sister Joanna to Saladin's brother, but Joanna isn't having any of it and threatens Richard with the Pope, forcing him to back down. Ultimately, Barbara is rescued and the gang sneaks off to the TARDIS, leaving Richard and Saladin to fight a futile battle that Richard can't possibly win. The end. The end. So, uh, a little behind-the-scenes or background, this is one of the the stories from this era where some of it's missing some of the video is missing mm-hmm. only only the first and third videos exist as video the first and third episodes exist yep. as video second mm-hmm. and fourth we only have the audio uh i watched this on daily motion the the mm-hmm. website daily motion i watched the uh first and third as video and then some recreations one was a tele snap 
recreation, and another was a CGI. There's some really bad CGI ones out oh, there. Terrible this, CGI. <laughs> but uh, one I watched that was pretty good. As uh, you as were a able recreation. to find the the video, the two video episodes on Daily Motion. I did. It it oh. wasn't obvious how to yeah, find it. Yeah, because they, they, they tend to not have it if it does exist in video. Hmm. I have it, it has been released on DVD, the surviving episodes that are only partial serials right. uh, from the Hartnell and Trouton eras were released a few years ago on DVDs called Lost in Time. Okay. And so I got out my, my Lost in Time DVD and watched episodes one and three but interspersed between them i watched the i watched daily motion telesnap recreations of two and four. Oh, okay see i i did like like dom um watched the first and third on video and it took some hunting it really did it's it's not easy to find but once you you find them they're 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 pretty good uh, although the first one was a really bad recolor or colorization it i was saw that like, one it was just horrible <laughs> but it was still watchable and then second yeah. and fourth were the 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 bad cgi yeah, uh, the uh, the third one I saw was uh, subtitled in French, so it must have been someone from oh, France see, I, up, uploading it. See, yeah. I got a I got a different one. I got a, the, the third one. You could tell like the guy had literally take a VCR tape because oh. at some point he brought up the on screen display from the VCR to show what time it was. Like you know, May fifth of twenty twenty or t- May fifth of two thousand one that he dubbed this from his <laughs> VCR it was kind of okay. funny actually. So the, these these videos are out there. Another option. Audible, it does the thing where they've got the bridging narration over the original soundtrack. Uh, So you could, you know, it's the original voices, the original music, just the audio from the original uh, show, just no video. And then there's bridging narration to tell what's going on. So that's another option. If you want to be a little less gray area legally, (laughs) let's be honest. It's 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 streaming on a website. If if they want it down, they'll take it down. (laughs) Until then. I, uh, (laughs) I did pay for the... They used an Audible credit, so at least I did pay for okay. it. So, <laughs> yeah, and I have them all on Audible as well. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the 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 cast. The, the, there's a lot of people, the great actors in this, mm-hmm. in the various guest roles. Well, uh, the the one who leaps out to me is uh, the actress playing Joanna. Oh yes, uh, because that's uh, oh now I'm blanking. Jean on Marsh. Jean, Jean Marsh. Marsh. Yeah. Yeah. And and we just saw her in. In another Doctor Who role as yep. Morgana in Battlefield in the yeah. Seventh Doctor's time, and I hadn't known that she was in this one. I had I, I was thinking, wow, Joanna looks a lot like Jean Marsh, and then she starts talking, and <laughs> that's Jean Marsh. Yeah, right. And to me, she's most famous for Sarah Kingdom, which mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to yet. We've yeah. seen but her briefly. She she yeah. she will later be one of the first Doctor's companions. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked her in this. She was feisty. She was she was fun. Yeah. I liked her. In oh, this. she was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just as feisty as she was as Morgana. I mean, I I really like her her the two roles that she's played so far that I've as, seen her in. As Sarah Kingdom, she kills her brother, the Brigadier. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I like I like Jean Marsh in this. So uh, Saladin was played by Bernard K, who we've just we've seen. Uh, this is our fourth times. time seeing him already. Yep. Yeah, we've seen all of his appearances out of order here, out of chronological order. So he was Carl Ty in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Mm-hmm. He was Inspector Crossland in the Faceless Ones, mm-hmm. and he was Caldwell in Colony in Space. Yep, that was a fourth Doctor. The the Faceless was a second. Dalek Invasion of Earth was a first Doctor one. So uh, we've we've seen him in all of those. Uh, yep. And then 
King Richard was played by Julian Glover, who you oh, yes. best known as General Veers in Empire Strikes Back, as always conspect the Star Wars for me. And he also played William Donovan in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the, the Nazi sympathizing American um, who made it, who chose poorly, uh, as, yeah. <laughs> as the gladiator says, or I mean, the crusader says in that, in that one. So uh, a great cast. I really enjoyed all of the, all of the guest acting in this was really good. I, I, I thought Julian Glover as King Richard was really, was really interesting, uh, complex character. You know, yeah. I, I liked it. Well, that's I, I thought that both of um, of Saladin and King Richard. Mm-hmm. One of the things I liked about this, so I have in my notes, uh, nice a very first note after the plot summer. Well, maybe not, but one of the first notes, nice absence of moralizing about Crusaders and Saracens or right. Holy War in general. Yeah. This is a this is a nice straightforward thing, and yeah, they recognize moral issues are involved here. But we don't have any lecturing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just imagine if Jodie Whittaker was oh, yeah. in this. You know, oh, there boy. would be all kinds of lecturing about imperialism and war and religion. holy war and religion, and yeah. it, mm-hmm. it would just be it would just be unbearable. Uh, but here, nope they're they're here. They're treating this as a serious historical reality, and they're not passing judgment on the two sides. Right. Or neither are they condemning both. They're right. not saying anyone's wrong or right here. Mm-hmm. And there's a nice mix of good and bad on both sides, which mm-hmm. is which is what we don't tend to get in some more recent episodes. But you know, Saladin is ruthless, but yes. he also is he he can be generous, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. I, was my note, yeah, yeah, thoughtful. Uh, Richard, meanwhile, can come across as kind of petty and yeah. and and cruel and unthoughtful regarding uh his sister and he can come across as kind of foolish but he's also a good guy and Mm -hmm. so we have these complex characters i just i really love joanna's performance though now the real uh joan uh plantagenet was widowed by this point she Mm -hmm. was she was married in her teens Mm -hmm. and her husband died when he was like 35 or something and she's only going to live to be in her 30s but after this, she ended up getting married to to uh, William II. Well, she was, I'm sorry, she was widowed from William II of Sicily, and she's going to marry, in the real world, Raymond VI, Count of Toulouse. Okay. Hmm. So she, at this moment, is kind of single. She's a widow. But I love how she, when when Richard wants to marry her to this Saracen guy, she is... She is just no, and I'm going to I'm I'm going to threaten you with the Pope, yeah. and I'm going to stir yeah. up all of Christendom against you and turn your allies into enemies if you don't back down on this. And wow, he backs down. Oh yeah. Well, because he he was going to marry her off to, in order to bring about peace and the fighting, which was undermining the the call to the Crusade. The Pope had called them to Crusade, so. They would all of Christendom would have said, "Hey, you're you're backing off of the the mission here, and you're marrying off a princess, a Christian princess, to the Saracen." And yeah, right. that would have been a a big no no, a bad. And I, I think that would have been that was the uh, probably the bigger concern. I think actually was the fact because it kept bringing up this this infidel, this this. Uh... You know that, that he's well, he's not Christian. They, and they don't it, yeah. they don't mention. I mean, they don't bring it up a lot. It does get mentioned, but it's not like they're harping on it. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the 
interesting thing, like a little historical fact, like so King Richard in in media, in especially in the visual media, is always this very English king. You know, mm-hmm. he's a very very in it's because we uh Sean Connery has played him, which was he's in very Scottish in that case in in, in that movie. But uh in fact, in reality, he was more French than English. He, in yeah. fact, his primary language was French. He uh, he reigned in the like as we see said in the second half of the 12th century and spent very little actual time in England. He spent <laughs> per- perhaps as little as six months and spent most of his time when he wasn't on crusade trying to secure his his lands in France. Uh, right. So, uh, and that's yeah. there was there was a big controversy between France and England that went on for centuries yeah. about yeah. who owned what land. Right, right. And uh so yeah, and that's where he's actually is buried. He died and was buried in France, so uh, hmm. kind of interesting. Um so th- with this story, once again, Barbara is separated from the others. Just like in the Romans, she's separated and captured and taken off. And th- th- it's kind of become a little bit of a trope in in this era, this the first doctor era here with with Barbara and in Ian of Barbara getting captured and Ian trying to get her back. It, it sort of keeps happening. So I, I just wanted to point that out. And when she's captured, she's captured along to, alongside this other guy, William de Prio, I think is the house pronounced. And he pretends to be King Richard and pretends that she's his sister, Joanna, in order to. I wasn't yeah, quite sure what he was it, trying to do. Well, it, yeah. he's 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 trying to get him traded out. Mm-hmm. He, he wants he wants uh, there to be a prisoner exchange. And he is. Pretending to be Richard, which is funny. I mean, it it it's almost like the no, I'm Spartacus moment when <laughs> yes. when, when, the, when they capture him, right? Uh, because he yep. does it so the real Richard can get away. Yep. But he looks nothing like Richard, and it's harder to tell in black and white. But he's like they they do have a line where Saladin at one point points out, it's like you're the you're you're the darkest blonde i've ever met you know you <laughs> right. the black black headedest blonde i've ever met because richard famously had like reddish blonde hair mm-hmm. yeah that's true yeah there weren't picture photos of people so you could try to pretend to be someone else a lot easier than you could today there's and so it's, it's an interesting aspect of this so when he's captured he's captured by one of these henchmen of saladin called elakir and he's like classic evil bad guy he's got one eye with an eye patch and a scar. I mean, he's like this really <laughs> sneering bad guy. No, no uh, mustache. Yeah, you, you, he was twirling. But. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you know he's bad because his scar runs r- vertically through his eye and eyelid. Yes, yep. yes. And uh, and when it's found out, like he thinks he's got Richard, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going in Joanna. I'm going to be rewarded for this." And when it turns out that Saladin kind of says, uh, "No, dummy, this is this is not Richard," <laughs> uh, as you pointed out. He gets mad and wants revenge on Barbara for making him look like a fool, but not Depreo. Like, why does he fixate on Barbara making him look foolish? It's kind of funny. Well, he also, I mean, he he does end up dying fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. I think in the third episode, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I thought it was sooner than that, but, but Barbara's the only one around at a certain point for him to fixate on. Right. Well, and he, and he wants to add to his uh, his harem. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But before that, she uh, Barbara is like Saladin wants Barbara to. He kind of gets the idea that she's a traveler with stories, and she's you mm-hmm. know, telling him she she's not from around here. Yeah, he and thinks so, she's an he thinks she's an entertainer. Right. 
and so he wants her to kind of play Scheherazade at his at his dinner table, you know, to, to tell a tale to save her life. That's a, the famous uh, stories uh, is uh, Scheherazade on Arabian Nights. Yes, and so uh, so she plans to tell him stories from Shakespeare and Gulliver's Travels. She says, which that's a that's a pretty good idea <laughs> actually. And I think <laughs> isn't she an English teacher? Yes, originally. Yeah, so, so that, she she would know. Well, she's a history teacher. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. um, so she, but she would have lots of stories to tell him, including the one she's experienced herself. <laughs> and now, my lord, a fantastic tale of travel through time. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. Uh, now, now, meanwhile, uh, the the doctor and Victoria, and who's now one of the companions, and Ian have ended up in in Richard's camp, and they're trying. To, Ian is like fixated. We've we've got to do whatever it takes. We've got to go get Barbara back from. Like he's almost uh, precipitous in his desires to rush out and rescue her, like a knight in shining armor, which he becomes. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, he, they they convince Richard to send an emissary to Saladin and make Ian that emissary. And in order to be an emissary, Ian has to be a knight, so he's knighted. He becomes Sir Ian, yep. Knight of Jaffa, uh, which is kind of funny because he's not a not a Jaffa like Stargate, but Jaffa the city. Yep. In, oh, uh, in the Holy I Land. I hadn't <laughs> yeah. thought of that. I was just thinking Jaffa the city. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been watching a lot of Stargate lately. <laughs> I, I kind of la- kind of chuckled when, when the doctors claimed to said, well, I would like to have been knighted to, you know, something like I would have been like, would like to have been knighted too. Well, he eventually was in Tooth and Claw as the 11th doctor before he was banished by Queen Victoria. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He does eventually get a knighthood of his own. Uh, yeah, and uh, when he's knighted, Richard says, "Arise, Sir Ian, and be valiant." And in fact, uh, and then the doctor kind of makes fun of him later by by using that again because Ian feels embarrassed at having been knighted. And then there's another point where the, the there's a funny little segment where the doctor steals some clothes to so that he and Victoria fit in with mm-hmm. the time. And yeah, so this, it's it's a rather complicated little scam they pull off on this clothing merchant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this merchant is buying stolen clothes from uh, one of the crusaders, and he's a, a local n- merchant. And the doctor steals them from him and justifies it by saying, "Well, they were stolen in the first place, so it must be okay." Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that works morally, but okay. Uh, mm, it, it it has it has. <laughs> I'd have to think it through more, but it has at least some merit. Okay, okay. I mean, if I, if this guy is illegally possessing these as well if i have a need for mm-hmm. these clothes and he is illegally possessing them he may as well not enjoy the benefits of his uh his his uh illegal purchase of them okay well the funny thing is is that the clothes were stolen from the chamberlain which is the the king's right-hand man and yeah, uh, the quartermaster yep. yeah and the, so they end up in the presence of the Chamberlain who recognizes his own clothes that have been missing. Uh, and the doctor kind of neatly gets out of this accusation that he stole these clothes by kind of turning the, the whole thing around. Uh, he gets. It, well, but, it, yeah, it's a kind of, well, if, because the, the merchant is there too. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, if I stole them from you, I couldn't have stole them from you. And if I stole them from you, I couldn't have stole them from you. And, right, and, and it turns out the guy that's stealing him is kind of the, the the big tough guy in the castle who happens to walk in at that moment. It's like he's the one who's actually stole him. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, and the nice thing is, is he gets the merchant off the hook for being, you know, a, receiving stolen goods, that sort of thing, uh, and gets in his good graces, which will help him out later. And in mm-hmm. fact, uh, 
they get some other uh, nice clothes from him uh, because he's gotten some got him in with Richard and now he will provide you know selling nice clothes to the to the king's court or whatever uh so Vicky has to pretend to be a boy at first uh, it's an interesting I idea don't know, has to but does yeah but, the doctor decides that she needs to be pretend to be a boy a, like a page boy cuz yeah. she's got a, she's actually got a page boy haircut right. right and i guess because it's you know two armies well, it's dangerous for a young woman yeah and not just yeah in in uniquely womanish ways it's dangerous right although they don't go into that because it's a kid show Yes, yep. and it's 1965. <laughs> we don't talk about that. But Joanna finds out. She's smart enough to figure out that Vicky is uh, not a boy, and uh, she insists on dressing her up as a girl in, in, in female finery. And offers her her protection. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I, I like the Chamberlain's line when she tells him to, you know, to get her the proper clothing. And the Chamberlain's, a girl dressed as a boy is nothing understandable these days? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Great, great little meta comment there. Yeah, exactly. That that is a an evergreen line. <laughs> By the way, I just I had in my notes when the doctor steals the clothes, I have his old criminality coming out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he's he's been committing criminal acts since the very first episode when he kidnapped Ian and Barbara. So that's true. And, that's true. And even before by stealing the TARDIS. Yeah, <laughs> stealing right. stealing a few clothes and and chuckling about it is right in his nature. Yeah, and he and, he uh, he definitely gets a. Uh, he has a lot of fun with kind of the, the politics and the intrigue and little little things like this. He gets kind of sprightly at times, you know. Yes, he does. He he, he enjoys. It's it's not quite like with say the eleventh Doctor. It, he, he but he really does enjoy the intrigue, getting in things like with the Romans and Nero. He had so much fun like playing with Nero then, and he, he's and you can see he's having fun sort of playing the intrigue with Richard as well. It's kind of interesting to see him in this case. Vicky, at one point, has this conversation with the doctor where she thinks that he's trying to leave her behind. She's feeling insecure mm-hmm. in her position in the in the TARDIS because the TARDIS is her only home now, and right. she's afraid the doctor will see her as a problem and abandon her. Which And, and she's from significantly in the future and mm-hmm. doesn't have any family and I was I was pleased that she she knows what the Holy Land is because yeah. as soon as they say oh we're in this crusade environment it's like oh you mean we're in the Holy Land mm-hmm. yes and so that was that was nice to see but yeah she is concerned about what's are you going to ditch me here in the in the smelly eleven nineties <laughs> yeah <laughs> right and you know the, by at by this point the doctor has only left behind one companion this has not been his pattern yet it, it was her predecessor and yeah and, and she and and that companion susan got left behind against her will yep. yes yes but it, it's interesting that the pattern had not been set yet but this does become his pattern where he does begin to leave people behind well, a bit some people usually not against their will true right. that's true that's true once in a while and and he, and he does and he usually tries to find some place that's more suitable to them. You know, yeah. like when yeah. he and Barbara leave, they leave it at a time and place that's suitable for them. Okay. Yeah. They get back home. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years after they left, but it, yeah. Fitting and, the number of years they traveled, so. And and uh Vicky is actually going to be the first of our romantic departures. Mm. Although was Barbara a romantic departure? No, because she and Not Barbara. She, uh 
Um, Susan his, Oh. Susan. Well, yeah, but Susan was like fell in love with the guy and the doctor ditched her because of that. But yeah. right. it's more like the I've fallen in love, so I've decided to stop traveling yeah. thing. Oh, okay. Okay. The uh, yeah. the Sabalon Glitz uh, problem. <laughs> yeah, only 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 better, better played. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, actually, Vicky is going to end up under another name with a prominent role in uh, in in Greek folklore. Oh, mm. cool, cool! I look forward to that. Uh, so Barbara, who she she never gets to play Shahrazad at Saladin's table because Elakir hatches they, a plot. They failed yep. on the Chekhov's A Thousand and One Arabian Nights. <laughs> I know, I know. That would have been interesting. So this uh, Italian merchant shows up out of nowhere and fades quickly, but he's he uh, ends up facilitating the theft of Barbara. That's basically how, what what it does for for Elakir and hands her over to him. He gets his comeuppance. The the, the I, merchant. I was disappointed though. He looked more like Mario than Luigi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, so Elakir takes her to his palace. Uh, takes uh, Barbara. Where she gets rescued by this this fellow named Harun, whose wife and son were killed by Elakir uh, when when he was away, uh, in order to capture one of his daughters and take her to his harem. Uh, and, and, and he is a really interesting character. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got this revenge motive for Elakir. He's sworn to kill him uh, because of he, he, the death of his his wife and uh, son. And then he's got two daughters, one of which. Elakir has put into his harem, and the other of mm-hmm. whom is still at home that he's taken care of. And Harun is just—he's very streetwise. Uh, he's able to, by his knowledge of the streets, he's able to defeat two of Elakir's soldier soldiers in order to rescue Barbara. Mm-hmm. He brings Barbara home. He is having—he's uh, he, hiding her from Elakir. And his soldiers, he has, he's going to feed her and everything like that. And then when he needs to go back out into the street, he like puts Barbara in charge of his young daughter, Sophia, and gives her Chekhov's knife and, <laughs> yeah. and tells her, here's this knife. If, uh, if the soldiers come, hide from them. But if they search, they will find you. So first kill my daughter and then kill yourself. Right, and, because that will be better than being captured. Yeah. yeah, and and then of course they don't do that, but they come close to doing it. Yep. I mean, they we that starts to play out, and it's really dramatic. With Barbara has this knife, and what is she gonna do? <laughs> right, she does have a line where she says, "You know, no life is more important than this. Life is better than this. It, you know, it, it, even with the fate of being captured by Elakir." To live is better, which is good. Then, and the lack of the knife plays into Harun's uh, fate because mm-hmm. he's jumped by one of the guards, and because he doesn't have the knife to defend himself, he gets uh, yeah, mortally I, wounded in a long term. <laughs> well, he doesn't get; he's not mortally wounded. He he's is not, wounded. Okay, but he comes back in episode four and is reunited with. I mean, he's the one who he does fulfill his promise to kill Elakine, Elakir yeah. in the end. And he gets reunited with both of his daughters as a result. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I but this was confusing because the way he gets injured by the soldier, he's knocked out and it looked to me like he was stabbed in the stomach by the soldier. And so yeah. I thought I thought he was dead. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah. And and then when Barbara gets put in Elakir's harem, 
she she meets his older daughter and she's telling her your father dreams of of getting you out of here all the time and i'm going oh barbara is lying and then no she's not lying Ella, <laughs> number one she doesn't know that uh, that uh haroon got jumped right or what happened to him but then he he shows up and and he is the one to kill Elakir and can be reunited with his daughters Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the but, daughter in the harem thought he was dead. He'd been she'd been told that her whole family was dead, and that's why she'd given up hope. Yeah, but I really like Haroon. He's a great character. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there is a, a, a Ian has a side story where now he's he's like he'd gone to Saladin. He'd found out that uh, Barbara was gone, and then was going to Elakir's uh, uh, palace to go get her from there, and he gets ambushed by highway robbers literal highway robbery mm-hmm. and they knock him out they steal his armor and his fancy clothes and they stake him out under the desert sun uh and then put honey on him to to attract fire ants or biting mm-hmm. ants or, or some yep. sort of insect uh I, I fire ants are in texas i don't <laughs> yeah i'm not sure what kind of the uh, ants they have in the holy land but they must be bad and like honey yeah. By this time, by this time, Ian's got to be just getting sick of ants. I mean, he had the web planet where he had the, the... yes. Oh, they should have they should have given Ian a line. Then it's like, ha! I laugh at your tiny Earth ants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're trying to torture him to get because inf- he had told them like, if you let me go, I will give you lots of gold uh, where I'm going. And they're like, oh, just tell us where it is now, and we mm-hmm. will torture you until you tell us. Uh, so it was that was a. A bad plan on Ian's part in that one. I, yeah, the 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 thief that ends up with Ian is named Ibrahim, Ibrahim and mm-hmm. he uh, his brother takes Ian's horse, but yeah. Ibrahim st- stays with Ian to torture him. And I like the way that um, that Ian gets out of it because he's he's tied there, he's staked to the ground, you know, all four of his limbs, and he says, "Look, I I, I finally will admit it. I do have gold. It's in my boot." And so he's got Ibrahim has to untie his boot, his leg, you know, in order to get in the boot. Mm-hmm. And so he gets the one leg free and says, there is no gold in your boot. It's in the other boot. <laughs> and so he gets his other leg untied, at which point he uses his legs to to defeat Ibrahim and and free himself. Right. Yep. Yes. Ibrahim but is nice... not the smartest uh, date on the tree. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but uh, he is a lot of fun, though. Yes. Um, it, like once, once the two of them, it turns out that Ibrahim is from, um, is it Lida? Lida, uh, the yeah. town they're going to, and yeah. and he, oh, I, I live there. I know Elakim. I hate him. Everybody does. And I will, I will help you. You know, in if you're going to get rid of El of Elakir, I will help you. And so they go there, and Ian decides that once he's defeated Elakir, he's going to need some horses. So can you go steal a couple of horses for me, Ibrahim? And Ibrahim is like, oh, we are brothers now. I will go steal horses from <laughs> Elakir's stables for you. Well, I, I, love, I love the reason why he hates Elakir, because everybody's poor and there's no one to steal from anymore. <laughs> yes, <right. laughs> yeah, he says, Elakir will kill you. He's a very, very bad man. And Ian's like, yeah, he's not the only bad one around here. <laughs> but, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend in this case. Now, meanwhile, the doctor and is still with Richard, and he's trying to. It's almost like the doctor's trying to nego- help Richard negotiate a peace. 
Yeah, he's trying to help, but he knows it's not going to work. So it's just yeah. sort of going along to get along. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, Richard, at one point, despairs of ever getting to see Jerusalem. Because at this point in the Crusades, uh, Jerusalem is held by uh, Saladin mm-hmm. and not the Christians. The, the Christians only held it for the First Crusade, I think. Well, for a considerable period after the First Crusade. Right. Yes. But by this point, it has fallen back into Saracen hands. Right, right. Oh, they also got control of it briefly in the Sixth Crusade, if I remember was correctly. It? Okay. Mm. But it was brief. I, I lost track <laughs> after, yeah. in those later Crusades. So yeah, so Richard despairs of ever being able to see Jerusalem. And the doctor has a line. He says, I am certain, sire, and when you look upon the city itself, you will be able to find the answer to the problem of this war. I thought it was very interesting that, that he, he, he says this certainty that he, he knows that he will see it. Yeah, and it, there's an interesting moment there where Richard prays to the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah. Which is, okay, I assume that means he's praying to the one who was buried in the Holy Sepulchre. Right. <laughs> right. But I was, it, was, it was a striking and moving moment. Yeah. He's clearly very sincere. What they don't tell us in this is that, I mean, because this ends on, I mean, it's happy because they get Barbara back and they leave. Yeah. But it's kind of a downer because they leave us with Richard and Saladin are going to fight this battle and Richard is is going to get to see Jerusalem but only from a distance. He will not be able to take it. But what right. they don't tell us is actually the third crusade was fairly successful. Richard and Saladin ultimately are going to sign the Treaty of Jaffa which will give Christians control of significant portions of the land and will guarantee Christian pilgrims who are unarmed free access to the holy sites in Jerusalem. Right. So actually, even though they didn't come back in and reestablish the crusader kingdom in its fullness like it was after the first crusade, they were able to achieve significant advances over the situation before this crusade. Which is what allows Richard to leave, to go back to France, and he ends up getting uh, imprisoned in Austria for a ransom, which then we have all of the events of Robin Hood and Prince John and all of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff that you read in, in Robin Hood. But uh, that's what allows him to leave the Holy Land, having accomplished that goal. So Barbara's escape from the harem is is facilitated by the other harem girls, including uh, yeah. Mimuna, who is— It's like nobody likes Elakir, not even his <laughs> yeah. own wives. Well, yeah, I can imagine why that the harem girls didn't like him very much at all. Uh, although there's one— her name is Fatima, mm-hmm. who betrays uh, Barbara to Alakir, like because he doesn't he, know she's in there. She's and, hiding in there, and yeah. he's promised like a ring, a ruby ring to whoever whoever of the wives outs Barbara. Right, yep. and uh, so Alakir gets killed by Harun. But there's this this kind of ch- somewhat chilling scene where once once Fatima's betrayal is made clear. The other harem girls turn on her, and we, she's presumably killed by them off screen. You know, they we yep. cut away as they're advancing on her menacingly. Uh, so it's a it's a little chilling moment there. That was interesting uh, to to see that one. And then, um, so the the doctor now the, the our crew is all back together again. The doctor and Barbara, Vicky, and Ian, and they're going back to the TARDIS, which is in this wood, and it's not. Saladin's people who's hunting them at this point. Now it's Richard's soldiers under the command of Lester, who we haven't really talked about, who mm-hmm. 
is uh, very warlike, and so he dislikes the Doctor's talk of peace, and he's trying to capture them. And and he and he's not a good guy, but Richard tolerates him because he, despite the fact he's not a good guy, because he is a good warrior, and yes. Richard needs that, so he cuts him some slack. Right. But he's taken a dislike to the Doctor and and Vicky or Victoria, and he thinks they're like spies for the Saracens, right. and so he's coming after them, and he's pursuing them to the TARDIS. Now, it's interesting, the Doctor and Vicky just head for the TARDIS. There's even a moment where, you know, uh, Vicky turns to the Doctor and says, in Richard's court, and says, are we going to just get on the TARDIS? And he says, as fast as our legs can carry us. <laughs> and and it's like, okay, you, you, why aren't you discussing Ian and Barbara? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Why? Could we have a little, and we'll wait for them at the TARDIS until Ian and Barbara get back? Uh, Mm -hmm. Right, right. But they're sneaking off to the TARDIS, and Lester catches them. And at that point, Ian shows up, and Barbara has been freed at this point, so she's kind of headed to the TARDIS by the back way. But Ian shows up and, and says, oh, I'm here to kill the Doctor and Vicky. I have an even greater claim because they ki- got a bunch of my men killed. And so right. Lester ca- capitulates and lets him have uh, have the right of killing the Doctor and Vicky, at which point all three of them just get on the TARDIS and it vanishes, and they conclude that Ian has been swept away by demons, and <laughs> they cross themselves and are bemoaning Ian's horrible fate, but promise never <laughs> to tell anybody because it would, it would I guess it would, people wouldn't believe them. Yes, we'll be branded idiots, as Esther's uh, yeah. words. Yep. Uh, so, uh, and then we we finish on in the TARDIS control room where Ian threatens any more cracks about knighthood, and I'll carry out that execution. He says, <laughs> yeah. <"Good> nature, <laughs> <"Good> nature, <laughs> of course." <laughs> and uh, that's when the doctor says, "Well, my dear boy, I must say, I think you've earned a good night's sleep," <laughs> which is I, I appreciate that yeah. pun. <laughs> uh, so, and that's uh, we we wrap up. Well, there is a serious moment because something weird starts happening on the TARDIS right. and all of the people freeze. Right. And this mm-hmm. sets us up for the next episode, the Space Museum. Okay. And that, yeah, that will be our next story. So, I, I, once again, I, I have to say, I really enjoyed this historical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, there's no aliens, no, you know, science fiction stuff. It's all historical stuff. And I really had fun with this. I, I really liked this story. I think it was really good. I, I have to say, I have a soft spot for the stories of the Crusades. I've read mm-hmm. historical, bo- you know, history books mm. about them and that sort of stuff. So I really enjoy this time period anyway. So uh, sure. but I really enjoy this. I think it was a good story. I liked the Doctor in it. I liked Ian in it. Everybody um, in a close. So the, the guest acting was was superb as well. But what did you guys think, uh, Father Corey? No, I, I agree completely. It was it was a lot of fun. It was uh, well done, and because it was only a four parter, there wasn't a lot. There was some, but there wasn't a lot of the running around corridors. It was you know. <laughs> Relatively tight plot, all in all. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of enjoyed it. So I enjoyed it as well. It's just a good basic adventure story. It's nothing fancy, but it's competently done. The author is David Whitaker, and mm-hmm. he has written a bunch of Doctor Who stories, most of which at this point we have seen. He wrote Edge of Destruction, which was the very second story after. Mm-hmm. Where the TARDIS is in danger, it's a two-parter where the TARDIS is in danger of blowing up and it all takes place on the TARDIS. He yep. wrote he wrote The Rescue, which was the two-parter where they picked up Vicky. Mm-hmm. He wrote this, The Crusade. 
He also wrote several from the Second Doctor's time, including The Power of the Daleks, the very first Second Doctor story, and The Evil of the Daleks, the last of the Second Doctor Dalek stories. He wrote The Enemy of the World, which is one Mm -hmm. of my favorite Second Doctor stories, where Patrick Troughton gets to play two roles, both, of course, the Doctor and Salamander, the Mexican dictator of the world. Yeah. (laughs) And in the third Doctor, oh, and also in the second Doctor's time, he he writes the Wheel in Space, which is where mm-hmm. we where we pick up Zoe, Zoe um, yeah. where we meet Zoe. And then in the third Doctor's time, he he gives us the Ambassadors of Death. And so the yeah. only one of his stories we haven't seen yet is Enemy of the World. So we which, can look forward to that. If I remember looking at our list right, Dom, we're going to talk about that in two weeks. Oh, that's are the we? next cool. one. That's I believe our next so. One. That's, our, that's our next second Doctor episode, which will be in two weeks. So, okay, okay, something Good. to look forward to. Excellent. Um, Whitaker, I, I'm going to guess there's no mention anywhere that I saw. There's probably no relation to Jody. Uh, uh, I'm as pretty as sure, but yeah, don't if, know if there had been. I'm sure it would have been mentioned if, somewhere. If there had been, he inherited yeah. the Doctor Who appropriate talent in the family. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm not uh, saying Jodie Whittaker. Notice I said Doctor Who appropriate talent. I'm not yes. saying Jodie Whittaker yeah. doesn't have talent in other things. Sure. Very good. Yep. Um, any last notes on this episode, Father Corey? So uh, Joanna has a, has a line that we hear a lot more in New Who, where it's a recognition of the Doctor's age. She says, there's something new in you, yet something older than the sky itself. And that's something we don't hear a lot in classic who, you know, that people recognize the age of the doctor, uh, despite his appearance, especially like in the fifth doctor, where he looks young, but he's, you know, obviously much older than that. That's something that they really play with a lot in new mm. who though, almost to the point of getting kind of sickening, to be honest. Yeah. It becomes kind of a trope and cliche. Jimmy, uh, any I don't lessons? mind it once a season, but yeah, every yeah. episode it's a li- it would be a little much. I liked the fact that Saladin recognized the the uh, marriage to Joanna as a desperate peace proposal. Mm-hmm. That he 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 understood what Richard was trying to do with it, and he was open to it. He wasn't sure if it would happen. He thought it could be a trick, but he's Saladin is genuinely open to making peace with Richard through this marriage. But he knows it's either going to be a wedding or a battle, right. and he's he's okay with either one of those. So I liked I liked his insightfulness into the situation and his openness to uh, to what Richard was proposing. And I have in my notes that Saladin at times has these kind of serious moments, and it's broader than Saladin, but there are these very serious moments. That are not like hyper dramatic threat moments like you would see in modern Who, mm-hmm. but it's just there are these moments to reflect on the seriousness of the situation we're in. And yeah, this is kind of grim. And I like that we have those. It feel it's mm-hmm. it's a realistic feeling that you don't get in a lot of that you don't get a lot in modern Who. Right. Yeah. Just contrast this with say the Witchfinders and the and King James mm-hmm. and that one. Yeah. Oh which, yeah. It's oh, it's a bit over the top. It's sometimes played for comedic effect. Yeah, this yeah, this was a little more serious, dramatic uh, story, mm-hmm. taking it seriously. So yeah, I like that. 
All right. I think that does it for our discussion of the crusade. Uh, as promised, we have a little bit of feedback. We got an email from Scott Shields on our recent episode 242 on the power of three, that 11th doctor story. And uh, Scott writes, so the title of the episode has a double meaning. The first is that it just refers to the doctor, Amy and Rory. But the other is that when you raise a number to the third power, you cube it and cubes were an important part of the episode. My question is, do other languages use the same word to refer to raising a number to the third power and the shape? And I think he means cube in that case. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, so, any ideas? What is, uh, Nothing here. I, why I don't are know. you guys looking at me? Jimmy always <laughs> has the answers. Come on. <laughs> I'm a linguist, not a language speaker. <laughs> and there is a difference. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, the French word for cube is but, cube. Okay, so, so yes. The yeah. the numbers will be referred to by the language cubed numbers will be referred to by the language equivalent terms in other in other languages, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. because of the term. The reason they're called cubes is be, is related to how we got these numbers in the first place. Because if you it was realized if you arranged. A let's say if you arranged uh, two rows of two elements each, it would form a square, and so four is a square number. And if you arrange, let's say you're doing it with pebbles, and if you arranged three rows of three pebbles each, it would give you nine pebbles. So nine is a square number. And the ancients were very aware of this geometrical effect, and it wasn't just limited to square numbers. There were triangular numbers. There were rectangular numbers. Hmm. You can do this with multiple different geometric shapes. And they realized you don't have to confine yourself to two dimensions. You can go into a third. So the three-dimensional, three-dimensional equivalent of a square number is a cubic number. Hmm. And so because these numbers go all the way back to the ancient Greeks, these different geometrical type numbers uh, go all the way back to the ancient Greeks, they will be referred to or will tend to be referred to by these geometrical names like square, triangular, cubic, rectangular in modern languages. Okay. It's- Interestingly, the um, so 666, the number mm-hmm. of the beast, that's mm-hmm. a triangular number. And if you double it, the double of a triangular number is a rectangular number, and so you double 666, you get 1332. Mm -hmm. And if you look in some of the apocryphal literature around the New Testament, you you find the beast also linked to the number 1332, which shows that the ancients were very well aware of, like, okay, this is a triangular number. This is a rectangular number, and so we can make these points about the beast using this geometric number symbology. Interesting. interesting. Okay. Very interesting. And if you want to learn more about the number of the beast, 666, there's an episode of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, I see. I knew you would know that, Jimmy. Thank you. And thank you, Scott, for your, for your email. We love to get email. So we want to take a moment before we wrap up to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including John N., Andrea L., Laura R., Mike M., and Ben and Susie S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. 
You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of this first Doctor story, The Crusade. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing The Bells of St. John, the 11th Doctor story that brings in the modern Clara as companion for the first time. Until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thanks, Tom. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, all wise men look for peace. Right. This is going to be fun.